Hey guys, Pastor Adam here. I'm so glad that you are tuning in to one of our powerful messages we believe will elevate your faith and take your life to the next level. At Elevate, we believe that the Word of God is our blueprint and we build our lives on the truths found in God's Word. We know that this message will help you grow in your walk with God and develop your faith so that you can become all that God has for you. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as we listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Aren't you glad to be here today? Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm so glad to be here this morning. Man, so good. So, so good. Got, got a few announcements for you guys. Um, I know this is when you normally tune out. So I say I got some announcements for you, and then you just say, ah, oh, this isn't important. So, so we, can, we can keep talking. But I got, I got a really important one. Number one is that on Wednesday, um, my second grandchild, Jet Friedrich, <laughs> The jet, the jet has landed, everyone. The jet has landed. Jordan and Gina, um, I, 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 we're so proud to bring little jet, six-pound jet Friedrich into the, into the family and uh, went and visited with them and got to hold my grandson. And it's so, so good. We, got, we were able to pray together, and uh, we're so grateful for what God's done in our family. And, and just that, that's been a prayer request for a very long time. We've been praying, and Jordan and Gina have been praying and believing God, and God, God, God never fails. How many know God? never fails. He always meets us. And uh, so they're coming home from the hospital today and, and we're just, we couldn't be more excited, more happy and more proud of them and our family. So, so be, have them in your prayer and uh, soon enough you'll be able to meet Jet and he'll be flying around here before you know it. Amen. Uh, other qu couple quick announcements is we have this thing that you hear me talk about all the time called eConnect. And eConnect is the pathway to help you get connected to all things Elevate. Because our job as a church is to connect you primarily to God, but also to each other. And so we do that in several ways. One of them is getting yourself involved on a serve team or in serving in some capacity. How many of you know you're not meant to just come to church and sit in a chair? That's not how, that's not why God created you. He created you for, for much more than that. And, and a lot of times you can find out, God can begin to reveal to you his plan for your life just simply by you serving and starting to try new things. And so we have eConnect. It is the only pre requisite for you to, to be involved in ministry in any form here at Elevate Ministries. And there's so many ways that you can dive into it. The easiest way, I'm just going to tell you, the easy, we've made it easy. It's just, a, it's just a few short videos that you can watch on your own time. Like you can, you can watch them anywhere, in your car, in the bathroom, sitting on your couch. You can watch these videos. They're very short, very easy to get through. And, and you say, well, I don't really know how to do that. I'm not really techie. Well, here, all you have to do is text the word connect. Every one of you knows how to text. 
All right, let's not play ignorant. We all know how to text. You just text the word connect, spelled C-O-N-N-E-C-T. You text that to the number 714-970-4716, and what you'll receive is a link that when you have time, you click it, and it, it, it auto-plays those videos for you. It's very simple. Matter of fact, Jaylene just finished it. Jaylene, right over here. Wave it, wave it, everybody, Jaylene. She, she just went through connect. It was painless. She enjoyed it. We hung out on, on Thursday, and uh, she's, in, she's already getting involved as we speak. So it's just amazing. And you can be cool like her. You can be cool like Jaylene. It, all you have to do is kind of go through it. But here's the thing. I know there's so many of you that you'll just keep putting it off. You'll keep putting it off, and you'll say, well, I don't know how. It's too hard. And so what we've done is we're going to do an eConnect live, all right? And this is just our way of taking all of the lazy people that can't do it on their own. I'm just kidding. Uh, this is our way to make it easier for you and that you can do it with a group. And so on October 1st, there's going to be an eConnect Live. April is going to lead it, and, and we're just going to walk through those videos, and we're going to do some of them live. We're going to show some of, the, some of them right on the, on the screen. We're going to talk through what it means to get connected here at Elevate, and then we'll, we'll get you right through that process nice and fast. I know there's quite a few of you that want to get involved. And so eConnect Live, if you can't do it in your own time, which is the easiest way, and uh, we'd love for you to do that. But if not, you can do it live uh, once a quarter. The, the first one is, is going to be on October the 1st. Amen. Another thing that's happening here is e-groups, and they've already started. They kicked off last week. I know that our young adult Bible study on Tuesday nights, they had like 30-something 30 30 young adults there. It was amazing. I, I, I've, heard, I've heard different reports. I know the women on Thursday uh, kicked me out of the office from 10 to 1130, and uh, they were studying the Word together, and I know there was all different kinds of groups going on, and some are starting this upcoming week. And you say, well, I'd like to get in Involved in an e-group. There's tons of them. There's, there's, there's some for young people. There's some for married people. There's some for women, for men, uh, all different types, different, going on different days at different, different times and seasons. And you can find all of that information on a display in the foyer that says e-groups. Like you can't miss it. And all of the groups are there. You can scan a QR code to, to something you'd be interested in. You can sign up there and get more information. We'd love for every person to be connected in an e-group. And also going along with that, today is the last day for you to purchase the Together Together merchandise. All right, I've seen a few people wearing those shirts around. Maybe you've seen Together Together. We've got t-shirts and crew neck uh, sweatshirts that are going to be available. Today is the last day we're going to be selling those and making those available for you. So pick one up on your way out this morning right there in the foyer. All right, let's get into the Word of God. What do you say? That sounded like a good idea? I know that's why you came today. You came to hear from God. And uh, I, I, I want to start this message off simply by looking back to last week, because I felt like last week was such a special Sunday. Such a, such a special Sunday. If you were here, uh, we heard a great message from our campus pastor, Danny Ariano. And, and Danny and his, and his family, as you know, have committed to, to begin a brand new church, a work for God in Reno, Nevada. They're going to be opening up an Elevate campus uh, there in Reno, and we're so excited about that. And, and so on his farewell Sunday, Danny got up here and he shared just a tremendous word from God, and he challenged us. Um, to respond to the call of God that we all have. That every one of us, there's a call of God on our lives. There's a purpose for our existence. There's a reason God created us. How many believe that? That there's a reason that we've been placed on this planet 
And, and Danny challenged us to respond to the call of God and then to not just, not just go for it alone, but to lead our families and to lead our realm of influence in that call of God and to move together. And there's something about doing things not alone. God's placed us in a body so we can move forward together. And then just simply to walk it out by faith because you're not gonna know everything God has for you. He's not gonna show you like this roadmap and everything, how everything's gonna work out and it's gonna be a little hard here and it's gonna go great here and, and you know, 2020, 24 is going to be amazing. It, we don't get to know all the details, but we simply walk out the, the call of God by faith, one day at a time. Amen. One step at a time, we walk it out in faith. And I love that message, the simplicity of it, but it, it also illustrated exactly what Danny and Zeo and John and Hazel are doing is that Danny felt a call of God in his life and he simply responded with his family and by faith they're walking it out. And, and uh, we know that today they're in, they're in Reno and chances are they're watching our service online. So hi, Danny and Zeo and the Ariano family. We're, so, we're, so, we're praying for you. We love you. But I just love that message because it's an illustration of what they're doing. They've, they've heard from God and together they're gonna walk it out in Reno, Nevada. And I think as we think about our church, this is just one of the ways that we accomplish the mission and the vision that we believe God's given us corporately. As a church, one of the ways that we accomplish the mission is, is we plant churches and we, and we multiply campuses. And, and so maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, what's the mission? I, I don't even know if I know what it is. Well, our mission, our stated mission as a church is to change our world one person at a time. And, and our vision to accomplish that mission is that each one of us, we reach one. And I think, I think we, can, we, can, we can break it all the way down that we don't have to be a pastor or have a building or, 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 or have, a, have a sign on a building to accomplish our mission. That each one of us, we can reach someone. How many, how many know we can reach our family? We can reach our neighborhood. We can reach our coworkers with a life-changing gospel message of Jesus. And then the second part of our vision is that we teach. We teach, uh, we teach others to follow Christ. We teach them what it looks like to live a uh, to, to, to lead a godly marriage. We teach them what it looks like to, to live in freedom and live in the power and the authority that God's given us. We teach them how to do what's right with their finances. We teach them the things of God. And then the third part of our vision is that we unleash others to use their God-given talents, their God-given giftings and abilities so that they can fulfill their, their own personal and unique destiny in Christ Jesus. And so we're changing our world one person at a time. And one expression of this is church planting. And we witnessed that last week. It's campus multiplication. And, and, and what's so exciting is that we're seeing that happen right now. So on September 10th, just to make a, just to kind of give you a, a simple report, Bernard and Apple, who've moved to Tampa, Florida to start an Elevate campus, they actually have acquired a building. And on se September 10th, they're going to be opening for, for uh, regular service times on Sundays. That's exciting. How many ready for a mission trip to Florida? How cool would that be? All right, we'll we'll look forward to that. But 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 also, and then now we see Danny and Zio, and very close to our hearts, moving to Reno, Nevada, and their journey is just now beginning. But I but I believe at the beginning part of next year in the spring, they'll they'll be underway there as well. And so we we understand and we see this this expression of our mission. We see it in 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 in, in church planting. But this is not the only expression. 
Church planting isn't the only expression. I remember as a young person, I mean, church planting was the pinnacle of what we did. And that's, it seemed like that's what everybody felt like. That would, that's what they had to do in order to fulfill the mission. But that's not true. That each one of us have a responsibility. As, as the people of God, we all carry a responsibility. And I want to talk about that this morning. Because it's very important as, as Christians that we live out our faith, that we walk it out day by day, and it's very important that we remain alive in the things of God. And so this morning I've entitled this message, Vital Signs, and we're going to look at a text together in 2 Kings chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up, your electronic Bibles, your paper Bibles. Uh, this is a text that I've spoken from before, but in 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse 8, really, really cool story. And it starts like this. The Bible says that it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem. Somebody say Shunem. Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. So obviously, she's a good cook. Because every time he was in the area, he would come back for more, all right? Verse nine, and so she says to her husband, I know that this is a holy man of God who comes by regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there and a table and a chair and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. Now. There's several things. This, this story is about the Shunammite woman. If you're reading in a paper Bible, it'll, it'll, it'll put that title there, the Shunammite woman. And, and, and there's several things that just in that small bit that we just read, there's several things that we can pick up there that I want to I wanna kind of zero in on here this morning at the beginning of this message. The first thing is that the Bible describes this woman as a notable woman. She's, she's notable. So there's something about this lady that stands out. So she's evidently got some sort of skill. She's got talent. She's got some sort of gifting. She's notable. So she's blessed in some way. She's, she's favored. She's prosperous. Uh, she's, she's blessed. And, and there's this noticeable blessing on her life, thus the term notable woman. And we could probably maybe expect that she's got some connections in the city, that she's known, her family name is known, she's probably got some money to invest, we can kind of gather from the story, but, but for, whatever, for whatever reason, we don't necessarily know the reason, she's a notable woman, she stands out. And the second thing that we can gather from this story is that she values the word of God. So not only is she notable, but she, she values the word of God. And how do we know that? Well, the reason we know that is because she notices the man of God. Like, like she recognizes the man of God, Elisha, as he's walking past. And she recognizes that this guy's not an ordinary guy. That there's something different about him. That, she's, that, that Elisha's not just another ordinary guy, but there's something that he's carrying on his life. He, he, he represents the Word of God. And, and, and this is not just an ordinary dude that stops by once in a while to eat some food, but she tells her husband that there's something about this guy, and I know, she said, I know that he is a holy man of God. And when she said that, maybe not everybody would have picked up on that, but because she values the word of God, it's something that she recognized inside of her, and she was right. Because when we know, what do we know about Elisha? Well, we know that Elisha was the prophet of God. 
He was the one speaking for God. We know that Elisha carries a double portion anointing on his life. So he's not just an ordinary guy, that he's actually the word of God that God's using to speak to an entire generation of people. We know that Elisha speaks the word of God boldly to a society that is increasingly anti-God. And so here's Elisha, he's got a double portion anointing on his life, and this Shunammite woman, she can see it, and, and, and she values the word of God in her life, and she values it so much that she's constantly making room for God's word. She values the word of God so much, she's, 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 she says, hey, let's invite that guy to our house for dinner. Why is she doing that? She's not trying to show off her culinary skills. That's not what she's doing. She, she's inviting Elisha to her table, why? Because she wants to hear from God. So every time he comes, she is, she's cooking up another meal, why? Because she wants, to, she wants him to sit across the table and speak the word of God over her life. She values the word of God, and she values it not just to hear it once in a while, but actually now she wants to invest in the word of God. And so she says, I, it's not enough for dinner once in a while. I, I love this word so much that I wanna actually make room for it. I, I wanna build a room for it so when he comes, he's not just coming over for, for dinner, but he's gonna be here for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I, I want this word constantly flowing into my life. And so she would, she would open up her home. This is, a, this is a major step she's taking. It's a major step. She's saying, I wanna, I wanna attach my life to this ministry, to this man, because I value the word of the Lord so much. I'm gonna give a home for the word of God in my life. Now, the, the third thing that we notice about this woman is not only is she a notable woman, not only does she value the word of God, but we also notice that she lives in a place called Shunem. We don't even ever really know her name. We just know that she's the Shunemite woman. And so it's descriptive of her. So Shunem, what does that word Shunem mean? The city actually means uneven place. And so she, she, this notable woman that values the word of God is living in an uneven place. So Elisha looks at his servant, and, and, and he doesn't know all of the details of this woman's life, but Elisha looks at this servant, and, and he says, what can we do for this lady? And it's kind of like, has anybody ever had someone on your Christmas list, but you have no idea what to get them? Anybody, anybody that in your life that you want to you you bless them because you love them, but you have no idea what to get them? It's like gift card only. Like you, that's the only thing that could come to mind because this person has everything. Well, that's, I think that's kind of what Elisha's going through. He's like, what can we do for her, man? She's been cooking us dinners. She's built us a room. Like, like we've got to be able to do something. What, what in the world can be done for her? And so Gehazi speaks in verse 14, and, he, and, and Gehazi tells Elisha, he, he says, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. And so we get a little bit of a picture into the uneven place in this woman's life. Because on the outside looking in, everything's great, right? I mean, she, she loves God, she, she values the word of God, she's notable, so she's got money. She's favored, she's blessed. Like on the outside looking in, this woman's got everything, but now we get a little peer into her life that we recognize that not everything's great. That, that, that what she really wants is a son, 
but her husband is getting old and this would, have, this, this would have been a precarious situation for her because her husband's old so he could, he could kick the bucket at any time and if he's gone, who's gonna take care of her? Because, because there's no welfare system, there's no social security and so your kids would be the one that would look after you when you're older. And so this is an uneven spot in her life because I'm sure she's beginning to feel a little bit of worry. What am I gonna do? Who's gonna take care of me? Like, what's gonna happen with, the, with, the, with the, the back end of my life? I've got no kids. So she's a notable woman, but she's living in an uneven place. And I just wanna stop here and say this. It's normal for all of us to have uneven places in our life. It's, it's completely normal for us in our lives to have areas in our lives that aren't great. Some spots and maybe areas in our life where, where it's uneven and it doesn't seem right and, and so you can't really seem to catch your footing. Maybe, maybe your education and your career is going well, but your family's a mess. That's the uneven place. Or, or maybe your, your spiritual life is doing really well. You're really excited about the things of God, but, but your health is suffering. Your physical health is suffering. Or, or maybe you're experiencing freedom in your faith, but you're still dealing with fear everywhere you look. It's all around, no matter where you turn. So all of us have places like these in our lives, these uneven places. Is everybody here? 10 o'clock in the morning. Are you guys following me today? Are you tuned in? These uneven, uneven places. But, but what I love in this story is here's this notable woman who's successful in so many areas, but in this one place, she's unable to have kids. So this one place is, is uneven. She's unable to have children. But Elisha comes to her. Elisha represents the word of the Lord. And so Elisha, in verse 16, speaks the word of God into that uneven place and says this, by this time next year, you will have a son. And I just love that because it's a picture. It's a picture of what God does to those uneven places. Just one word from God can take our crooked paths and make them straight. Can I hear somebody say amen? Just one word from God. That's why you're the smartest people in Orange County today. Because you said, I'm going to go to the house of the Lord and I'm going to hear from God. Let me tell you something. Just one word from God can change your situation, can take some dead areas in your life and bring them back to life. You're smart. Give yourselves a big round of applause this morning. So the very next verse, in verse 17, the Bible says that it came to pass that in the spring of the following year, the Bible says she brings forth a son according to the word that Elisha had given her. It's just proof right there that just one word from God is all you need. It's all you need to take those crooked and uneven and disappointing places in your life, those disappointing paths, one word can make it straight. It also is proof that God wants to birth something out of you. God wants to birth something out of you. And you may have areas in your life and you're thinking, there's no way that God could use me because of this. There's no way that I'll ever see that dream a reality because of this, because of this uneven place in my life. Maybe you feel because of this rocky spot that you'll never be able to accomplish your dream. I'm telling you, one word from the Lord, a seed from God's word, put inside of your heart can conceive life inside of you and birth something from you. And so we fast forward this story and this is exactly what happens. 
is not only did Elisha prophesy the word of the Lord into this woman, but she did conceive and, and did birth a son and, 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 the, and the uneven place in her life, God's word made straight. She has a son, a reproductive seed, and a potential for a harvest. So we look at verse 18. And the Bible tells us that the child grew and even one day he went out with his father to the reapers. And I want to stop here because this is really, really an exciting, this is like a testimony here. Because not only did the Shunammite woman have a son, but the uneven fear was that this Shunammite woman would have to fend for herself as she aged. But what's happening is, is an answer to prayer because not only, this, this son didn't stay a baby. It didn't stay a seed in this woman's heart, but now this son is growing. Son is growing and actually now is going out with his fathers to do what? To bring in the harvest. And so now this, this, this what once was just a seed of, of God's word is now grown to the point that it's actually becoming fruitful, that there's some reaping taking place. Are you, are you with me? What, what you sow, you reap. And so now this woman is beginning to see all that she's sown over these years is now beginning to produce a harvest in her life. It should be the same with us. It should be the same with each and every one of us. What God does inside of you, the word of God is not meant to just hit you on a Sunday morning so you can think about it until Wednesday and then forget. No, the word of God is meant to go inside of you and birth something in you so that it can produce something out of you. There needs to be spiritual growth in our lives. Are you hearing me today? There should be some maturity. There should be some productivity with our lives, some fruitfulness. This is why E-Connect. Are you hearing me today? Because the gift that God's given you has to be put into practice. The talent has got to be used. It's not good enough just to have it. Your life has to be about more than just you. And your desires and all your, it's gotta be more than that. You're meant to make a difference and God's got a purpose for your life. And so before you were born, the Bible tells us that God, 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 God knew you. The Bible says that he set you apart. The Bible says that he's chosen you for a specific purpose. And here's the thing though. When you begin to allow what God's done in you to birth something out of you, when what God's put in you begins to become fruitful, you need to recognize and you need to know this morning that there will be an attack. There will be an attack and we see that in verse 18 because the, the child grew and he went out with his father to the reapers. And in verse 19, while he was out there, he says to his father, my head, my head. And so the father says to the servant, take him to his mom. And when he'd taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then he died. And so she went up to, and laid him in the bed of the man of God. She shut the door upon him and went out. Verse 22, she calls to her husband and says, send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. See, the first attack, I think we see it right here, the first attack that we will experience, and it won't be the last, it'll probably be, the, let me call it the continual attack that's gonna come at us is the headshot. It's the attack, the attack in the field is a head attack. So we're safe here today in the home. We're safe in the house. 
But when we go out in the field and we begin to bring in the harvest, we begin to be fruitful, there will be an attack, and oftentimes it is an attack against your head. It's an attack against your thinking. We can see this all throughout scriptures, illustrations of this. I want you to think back to, to Nebuchadnezzar, who enslaved God's people, who took them out of their, their own land and took them into Babylon, right? He took the best and the brightest young men from Israel and, and guys like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We, we, we know the stories of those young men, but, but the reason they were in, position, the, in the position that they were is because Nebuchadnezzar was taking the best and the brightest, and he carried them out of Israel as captives into Babylon, and his desire was for these, these talented, gifted young men to serve him. And the Bible says in Daniel 1 verse 5 that the king appointed three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they would serve before Nebuchadnezzar. And so what we recognize is that the king, he, he basically put them in three years of, 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 of prison where they would learn the language and the literature and the thought process of the Babylonians. He was trying to reverse all that they had learned about the things of God. All of, all of the, the things, the culture that they had grown up in around the house of God, now he's, he's taking three years removing them from that, trying to reprogram their minds. What is that? That's a head attack. We see this exact thing happening today. And Satan knows that the way he can stop you from reaping the harvest, the kingdom harvest in your life in order to keep an entire generation from becoming fruitful and producing a kingdom harvest, he's going to go after the head. He's going to go after the way they think because Satan knows, and we should also know, that what dominates your mind directs your life. Are you with me today? That the thoughts that occupy your thinking and dominate your thought process, that's gonna determine the level of fruitfulness in your life. We can see this all the way back to Genesis 3. Satan's original attack against mankind, he, he poses a question to Adam and Eve and asks the question, did God really say? And what was he doing? He was planting that seed of doubt because Adam and Eve, of course God said that. We, we heard it, but Satan was just trying to plant that seed of doubt, has God. And the battle for your life and the battle for your, your fruitfulness will be the question. It's the same question. Has God really said? Why? Because Satan has a bullseye on your mind, on your mind. He's going to come at you with anxiety and depression and thoughts from your past. He's going to present fear. He's going to tell you to end it all. Come on. He's going to, what's, what's he trying to accomplish? He's trying to produce death inside of you. And that's exactly what we see happen in this text. And that's why it stands out to me that this young man experiences a head attack out in the field out where he's being productive, out where he's being fruitful, Satan comes at that moment and attacks his head. And, 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 and with it come, go the dreams of this Shunammite woman. With it go the promises that God gave this Shunammite woman, all taken out by a head attack. And so what does this woman do? She runs to Elisha. I, I think this is a great picture of what we should do. But she runs to Elisha. She runs to the word of God. She runs to the word of God in verse 28, and she said, did I ask a son of, of you, Elisha? Did I not say, don't deceive me? And then Elisha 
says to his servant Gehazi, get ready, take my staff, and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. Anyone greets you, don't answer him. But lay my staff on the face of this child. And then the mother, the Shunammite woman said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not leaving you. And so he arose and followed her. I just love this picture. I want, you, I want you, if you can, to try to place yourself in this story. I love the picture that this text paints because now this Shunammite woman is running to the only place she knows, the only place she knows to go, and she runs to Elisha and she says, you promised me. I didn't ask for this. And the reason I didn't ask for it because I didn't believe it could happen. I was just living with that uneven place. But you promised me. Did you deceive me? It's almost like she's repeating the lie that's been in her head from the very beginning. Do you see that? She said, she said you promised me. And then I love her attitude. She says, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere until I get what you said. I'm not leaving until I see what you said. Some of you need to have that same attitude today. You need to have the same attitude where you approach God and say, God, you promised me. You said it in your word. You said in your word that I'm the head and not the tail, that I'm above only and not beneath. You promised that greater works that I will do than even you did. That you promised me that, Lord. You said that all of my house would be taught of the Lord. You promised that my kids would adorn the temple, Lord. You said it. You promised it. I think all of us need to take, take a page out of this woman's life and prophesy the word of the Lord. The word that produced a seed inside of you is a word that will not return void. God said it, and that settles it. Somebody shout amen. So then Gehazi, look what it says. Gehazi, he runs ahead of Elisha and the Shunammite woman. And he's got Elisha's staff in his hand. And, and, and the Bible says that he laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. And then he went back to meet Elisha and said, the child has not awakened or the child is dead. Now, what's interesting to me is that Gehazi went to look for vital signs. That's why he ran ahead. He ran ahead at the instruction of Elisha. He ran ahead to check for vital signs. He went to go see if this kid is really dead or if this woman was mistaken. And so what I think is interesting is he didn't check for the vital signs that we would check for. Because, I mean, if we were going to go see if someone was alive or dead, we, we, we would, there was, there'd be certain things we'd be looking for, right? We would, we would check for a pulse. Right? Anyone? <laughs> I'm going to check for a pulse in a minute if I, if I can't get some response out of you guys. What would we do? We would check for a pulse. We would, we would place our hand on the chest to see if the, if the heart is beating. We would look at the, the regular places to find out, is there a pulse? What else would we do? Well, we would we we take our ear down down to the mouth. Why? We would be listening for breath. The the normal vital signs, if we're checking to see if someone is alive, is we would check for a pulse and we would check to see if there's some sort of breath. But here's here, what I see is that's not what that's not what Gehazi looks for, which which tells me that God has different vital signs than we do. Did you hear me today? 
God's not interested in just a pulse. That's not what God's trying to produce in your life. He's not just trying to produce a pulse in a breath. Like he didn't save you so that you could barely be alive. He didn't, he didn't save you. He didn't forgive you. He didn't allow his blood to be, to be poured out over your life so that you could just come to church three times a month. And, and take up a chair and know a few of the songs. You know, just, just you know, be alive. Like barely breathing. Just a pulse. No, no, that's, that God's not interested in that. So when Gehazi reports back to Elisha, he doesn't mention a pulse. He doesn't mention breath. He says this. He says there's neither voice nor hearing. That tells me that heaven has different priorities than we do. Did you hear me today? Let me explain. There's a lot of Christians and there's a lot of ministries. There's a lot of churches that when we look at them through our own earthly perspective, we would notice they have a pulse. Because when you look at them from the outside, you can see their heart of compassion. They've got lots of different programs. They've got, they've got lots of different you know, outreaches and they can take sack lunches to homeless people and there's inspirational sermons and quotes that come from the pulpit. They've got heart, they've got breath, they've got great programs and outreach and orphanages and all of these things. And I'm not, I'm not saying any of those things are bad. Those are great. They're all, they're all things that we, we do as a church and that we are a part of. But what Gehazi reports back to Elisha on whether this kid's alive or dead, he doesn't talk about compassion. He doesn't talk about a heart. He doesn't talk about inspiration or a breath. He's saying there's neither voice nor hearing, which tells me that what God is trying to produce in the life of this church and in your life as an individual is someone that can hear from God and then say what he, what, what, what he said. What God wants and what God is looking for is voice and hearing. And that, and that, and that, that, that tells us that the attack of hell is going to be to silence the word of God, thus silencing the voice of God to an entire generation. And I, can I tell you, Satan doesn't care that you're breathing. Satan doesn't care you're here today, you're sitting here in this nice air-conditioned church building, chilling out, you're, you're, you're with your friends, you're gonna have some lunch after church. God, Satan doesn't care that you're barely breathing, that you're barely alive as a Christian. All he wants to do is silence the word of God. So as long as you don't hear from God, and as long as you don't speak his word, he's cool with you. But the church's job and your job as an individual is to be a voice in this generation. In 1 Kings chapter 17, Elisha's protege, or excuse me, Elisha's predecessor, a guy by the name of Elijah, and we get him confused a lot, but Elijah is the one who placed a double portion anointing on Elisha. And so Elijah bursts on the scene in 1 Kings. And he steps into the, the, the throne room of King Ahab. He's the most wicked king ever to rule in Israel. And Elijah declares to the king, and he says this. He says, there shall be no dew or rain these years except at my word. Like, it was a, it was a bold statement. I love it when people are bold. I mean, I, I, there's something about somebody that's got a little bit of you know, boldness and courage and is willing to speak it out. That just, I, I just, I just love that. 
But you can read this, and it seems a little odd if you think about it. Because he says, there'll be no dew or rain except at my word. But he was, it wasn't his word that was making this happen. It was God's word. Like Elijah doesn't have the power to make it not rain or have dew, right? We, we all know that. He doesn't have any authority in that way. And so he says, there's gonna, not going to be any dew or rain except at my word. But, but I think about it, I think that sounds a little bit arrogant, which I'm okay with once in a while. But, but I mean, wouldn't it have been better if he would have said, there will be no dew or rain except at God's word? Like, don't, don't you think that sounds more correct? <laughs> I mean, you can read that and you're like, wait a second. You're supposed to be a prophet of the Lord. In other words, you're hearing from God and saying what he says. So it would seem to be better if, if you would say it was God's word that was declaring that. But that's not what he says. He says, there'll be no do or rain except at my word. And the reason he could say that is because to Elijah, there was no difference. That when he spoke, he was speaking God's word. Because everything he said, he heard from God first. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus says, I don't speak anything unless I hear the Father speak it first. And whatever I hear the Father say, that is my word. The church's job is to learn from these stories and learn from Jesus himself where to be a voice. And our job is to make sure that God's word has representation in our world. Our job is to make sure that God's word is being spoken. Why? Because it's his word that sets the captives free. It's his word that brings liberty. Come on. It's his voice that calms the storm. It's his voice that brings justice. It's his voice that gives birth. And if his voice isn't, been, isn't spoken, none of, things are, none of these things are possible. In the time of Elijah, I think most of us would know, I've preached about it several times. We know that, that, that Jezebel, King Ahab's wife, was killing all the prophets of God. And what she was doing is she was actually bringing all the false prophets to her house, and she was feeding all of the false prophets at her table, and, yet, and, and she's taking the lives of God's prophets. And so Elijah has to have this showdown in Mount Carmel. Most of us would recognize this story where he challenged, challenges these 850 false prophets to a duel. And we know that God strikes fire down from heaven, consumes the altar, and all 850 of these guys are done, okay? And, and, and it kind of seems like when you think about uh, that, that story, it seems like it's about the same ratio today in our world. That what we're up, up against is 850 false prophets. It seems like there's 850 voices saying all the negative, wrong, lies, and it's us, this 850 to one, then, we, then, then it's us speaking God's word. Because these false narratives are so prevalent, prevalent in our time. How many, how many recognize fake news is everywhere? All right, the false narrative, there's false prophets everywhere you turn. I, I, I think it's so sad that all of a sudden I'm seeing this fear of COVID begin to strike back up and people driving alone in their cars, wearing masks, afraid for their lives. Why? It's because you got a bunch of these false prophets running around, spitting out fear wherever they go. Thank God there's, there's voices like ours speaking truth. Come on, speaking faith instead of fear. So, so interesting in, this, in the middle of all of this, 
where Elijah is speaking out against these 850 false prophets. In the middle of all of this, there's a famine in the land, there's no rain, there's no dew, and all of a sudden this guy comes up to Elijah and his name's Obadiah. And Obadiah is kind of a guy that's in the middle. He's working for Nebuchadnezzar, but he's kind of like undercover for God, okay? If that's possible. And so he kind of comes to Elijah. He sees Elijah and he runs up to him. He's like, whoa, man, I've been looking all over for you because my boss, Ahab, wants to have a conversation with you. And Elijah's like, tell him I'm right here. And Obadiah's like, no way, because you'll disappear. And, and Ahab will come and you won't be here. And off with my head. So I'm going to stay with you. Matter of fact, we can go together to talk to Ahab. And so Elijah's like, cool. And so he begins to walk towards Ahab and Obadiah. You could tell he's trying to like fit in with Elijah. You know, he's trying to be on Elijah's team. And so he's like, hey, Elijah, I got, I got some good news for you. He says, he says, you're not the only prophet. Actually, there's a hundred others. We're gonna keep this on the down low, okay? I've taken 50 other prophets and put them in one cave, and I took the other 50 and I put them in another cave. And so actually, Elijah, you're not the only prophet left. There's actually a hundred more. I've, I've made sure that they're safe. I'm protecting them in a cave, and, 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 and so you, you're not all alone. Okay, so that whole thing goes down. But later on, if you're reading the story, Elijah declares, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. And so you read that and you think, wait a second, you just, Obadiah just told you, Elijah, there's a hundred other ones. And they're all in a cave, they're safe, they're fine, don't need to worry about them, it's all good. So there's a hundred other prophets, but yet you're saying, I alone am left. Why is he saying that if he knows there's a hundred others? I'll tell you why because he was the only one speaking. He was the only one left because the only way that you're alive in the eyes of God is if you're speaking what you're hearing. And he's the only one left speaking. And why aren't these hundred other ones speaking? Because they're afraid. Because they're trying to preserve their own lives. They're, they're in self-preservation mode. They're just trying to keep their pulse. They're just trying to, 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 to keep their breath. They're, they don't want to be outed. They don't, wanna, they don't want their lives to be put in danger. And so Elijah calls down fire from heaven. He executes the prophets of Baal. And that's who we are in this generation. I want you to recognize this today. We're up against 850 to 1. There's false narratives all around challenging the word of God. It's everywhere you look. So who are we in this generation? Let me tell you who you are. You are Elijah. And so we refuse as the people of God to back up. We refuse as the people of God to shut up. We will no longer put up with all the lies and the false narratives. Instead, we will stand out and we will speak up and declare to this generation, thus saith the Lord. Why? Because we found our voice. Somebody shout amen. So there's, a there's an attack on your speech, but that's not all. There's also an attack on your hearing. Why? Because your hearing affects your speaking. I'm sure you, you've recognized this. Someone that has trouble hearing will also have trouble speaking. Because in order to speak clearly, you have to first hear clearly. And the devil knows that if he can silence the word of God in our generation, if he can snuff out the word of God, if he can silence your ability to hear, he can, he can stop your ability to speak as well. So there's seven letters to seven churches written in the book of Revelation. 
And Jesus is, these are Jesus' words. And he's praying for these churches. And he's saying in every one of these letters, he says this, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And so the big question is, what is heaven saying? What is heaven saying right now? We have to hear what heaven is saying. Why? So that we can have a clear voice to speak that to our generation. You know, when they asked John the Baptist, they said, who are you? John the Baptist says, I am a voice crying in the wilderness to make straight the paths of God. That's what we are. We have to be a voice in the wilderness. Come on, we have to be a voice in the confusion. We have to be a voice in the darkness. We have to be a voice in the middle of fear, in the middle of anxiety. God's given us a voice. And so Elisha, Gehazi, and the Shunammite woman, they arrive to the house. And this boy is up in this room, and I think this is so cool. The boy is up in the room that the Shunammite woman originally had built for the word of God. And this just shows you that anytime, anytime you, you invest in God's word, anytime that you take care of God's house, he'll take care of yours. And in the very room that she built for the, for the word of God is the room that God used for her miracle. And so here's this young boy laying dead in this room, on the bed. And so Elisha, the Bible says that he goes up into this room, and in verse 34, he went up and he put his mouth on the boy's mouth, his eyes on this boy's eyes, and his hands on this boy's hands. And I, as I read this, I realized this is a prescription for some of us, when we're talking about being a voice and being able to hear from God and speak what he says, some of you are saying that, hey, my vital signs aren't doing real well today. So some of you are saying, man, if someone was to check my vital signs this morning, I don't know if they would determine that I would be alive or not because you know, I'm not hearing from God. I'm, I'm certainly not speaking his word in my, in my world. And so the, what, what, what's the prescription to to cause what's dead in your life to, to come back to life. I think we see it right here. Is that Elisha, the word of God, placed himself on the eyes, the mouth, and the hands of this boy. And I think it's, I think it's significant when we think about it. He placed his mouth on his mouth, and I think this represents that we have to speak what heaven speaks. In order for those dead areas to come back to life, in order for your vital signs to begin to spark back up, the first clue we see right here is we have to speak what heaven speaks. What comes from heaven has to exit your mouth. What comes from his mouth has to come out of your mouth. We have to say what heaven says. We have to say what heaven says. How, how did Jesus defeat the devil? He's tempted in the wilderness. And every time Satan comes, Jesus said the same thing over and over again. What did he say? It is written. What was Jesus doing? He was saying what heaven says. He was speaking the word of God over his circumstance. And this is difficult for us. It's hard to do. It's hard for us to do. But I want to tell you that everything changes when your words are heaven's words. When heaven's words become your words, mouth to mouth, 
from his mouth out of your mouth. Every word, let me tell you, every word that leaves your mouth is a seed, is a seed. And that's why a lot of times we look around our lives and we see destruction, we see chaos, we see problems. We look around, we, we see all these things, we wonder, well, how did this get there? I think a lot of times it goes back to the words that we spoke. The negative things we said, the chaos that we allowed it just, just, to, just to fly out of our mouths all the time. I wonder if we would replace that, you know, that natural tendency to speak what we see. I, I wonder if instead of speaking what we see, what would happen if we spoke what, what, we, what heaven says? What if we spoke what he said instead of what we see? I wonder what difference it would make mouth to mouth. I think the second thing that we see is he placed his eyes on his eyes. And I think this is a picture of seeing what heaven sees. See, a lot of times you can interpret what's going on around us through the lens of culture. In other words, you can allow what you watch on the news and what you're seeing around, you can allow that, to, that worldview to be formed by what the world says. You can, you can allow your intake from social media and from the news networks and all of those things, you can allow those words to become the narrative of your life. You, you see what, what the world, the world tries to provide you a perspective. And so you can see your world through the lens of culture or you can see your world through the lens of scripture. And so instead of seeing your world, if you, if you begin to look at God's word, what you'll see is all the answers to culture. You'll see all of, all of the, the remedies to what we're seeing happening all around us. You'll recognize that this isn't, this, this isn't the first time any of this stuff has happened. We're not the only ones to experience these things. If you, if you can read God's word, what you'll see is a, is a remedy for what we're facing. And what's that called? That's called a biblical worldview. So, so can you see what heaven sees? Can you see what heaven sees? A lot of times we see our circumstance, our situation through a lens of, man, I know where this ends up. But when you look at a biblical worldview, you understand that all things work together for the good to them who love God are called according to his purpose. It's just a perspective switch as we see what heaven sees. I wanna challenge you right now, whatever you're facing, there's two ways that you can look at it. You can look at it through a worldview, a cultural worldview perspective, or you can look at it from a biblical worldview perspective. And I wanna tell you something, life is in the biblical worldview perspective. Life is produced, can you see what heaven sees? And the last thing, he placed his hands on the boy's hands. And this is significant because it's, because what do we do with our hands? What's what God uses to produce? And I think, I think it's significant because it's simply a picture of doing what heaven does. Doing what heaven does. There's a lot of things that you can do with your hands. But if you can begin to do the work of God with your hands, if you can find yourself involved in your activity around the things of God, I'm telling you, it'll awaken something on the inside of you that you didn't know was there. It's a challenge for some of us to engage in not, not just the things that enable us to get by day to day, but it's a challenge for us to engage in the work of the ministry that will live beyond you. 
to engage in the things of God and the activities of God that will begin to be, be reproduced in the life of your children. And so what do we do? We, we say what heaven says. We, 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 we take a perspective of what heaven sees. We see what heaven sees and we do what heaven does. And it's a challenge for you all over this room today that if you'll do these th three things, what you'll begin to notice is those vital signs will become evident in your life once again. All of a sudden, you'll be hearing from God and saying what he says, which is exactly what God's called you to do. It's what God's called each and every one of us to do. Man, maybe we could bow our, our heads and close our eyes all over this place. Oh man, we thank you, God, for the word today. Can you just thank the Lord right where you're sitting? Thank, the, thank God for his word. God, your, your word is so amazing. It speaks to us in our situation. It speaks to us where we're at. And Lord, I thank you today that, that there's some people in this, in this house that are living in an uneven place. An uneven place. Things are rocky. If that's you in this room, would you just raise your hand all over this place? I want to pray for you. You just say, my life is uneven right now. It's rocky. Let me see your hands. Come on, lift them up. Lift them up high. I know there's more than that in here. Come on. It's rocky. Things aren't, things aren't perfect. Let me see your hands. Come on, lift them up high. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, that even in the rocky, uneven places, that your word, just a word from you, can take crooked paths and make them straight in a moment. Lord, you can take the rocky places and produce a kingdom harvest with them. And so I thank you today for all of the problems. I thank you for all of the circumstances and the situations that have caused these men and women to raise their hands. These areas in their lives they don't understand, they don't know what to do with, and they don't know how it's going to turn out. Lord, I thank you today that a word from God, your word never returns void. It always accomplishes that for which it was sent. And I'm asking you right now to send a word to these circumstances. Right now, send a word into these situations. Situations. Send a word into these rocky places, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that that word would begin not only to smooth that area, Lord, but produce something fruitful from it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, God, we thank you for your word. It takes the crooked things and makes them straight. Lord, we come, we come to you today because we recognize that anytime we're fruitful, there'll be an attack. And Lord, I, the attack desires to take us out. And some of us in this room, even today, if we're to check for heaven's vital signs, there'd be no signs of life. Because what you're looking for is voice and hearing. You're looking for voice and hearing. Come on, some of you in this room right now, if you're checking your vital signs right now, as I'm praying this, you're checking for your own personal vital signs. Right now, what God wants coming from your life is voice and hearing. Hear from God and say what he says. If you're not, here, if you're not seeing any vital signs, it's a challenge for you to bring back to life, to bring those areas back to life. And we see that how it, how, how it happened in scripture is the same way it will happen for you. What, what is it? It's say what heaven says. See what heaven sees. Do what heaven does. If, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I'm, I, 
I, I need to activate those things in my life once again. I need to see what heaven sees. I need to say what heaven says. And I need to do what heaven does. And you're saying, I'm, I'm being challenged. I'm, fe I'm feeling conviction to apply those things, to activate those things in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand all over this place? I need to see what heaven sees. I need to say what heaven says. I need to do what heaven does. And you're being challenged right now. Lift your hand high so I can see it all over this room. Lots of hands. Lots of hands. I'm, I need to see what heaven sees. I need to say what heaven says. I need to do what heaven does. Come on. If that's you, raise your hand all over. Nice and high. Nice and high. Make, lift it up. Lift it up. And ask God to help you do it. Come on. Right now. Lift it up high. Ask God to help you do it. Lord, help me to see what you see. Come on. Right now. Ask him for that. Lord, help me to see what you see. Lord, I, I get so caught up in, in looking at what I'm, uh, what I'm seeing through culture. I, I'm, I'm seeing what I'm seeing with my natural eyes. Lord, give me eyes to see what you see. Lord, give me eyes to see supernaturally through, Lord, the lies of this culture. Lord, let me see what you're trying to show me in Jesus' name, Lord. And I pray that I would say what you say. Lord, I, I'm asking you, Lord, that your word would be so deep in my heart, Lord, that what comes out of my mouth would flow from my heart, and it would be your word. It wouldn't be my frustration. It wouldn't be my anger. It wouldn't be my bitterness. It wouldn't be unforgiveness. It wouldn't be frustration. It wouldn't be disappointment. It wouldn't be guilt or bit. It wouldn't be any of those things, Lord, but what would come out of my mouth would be the word of God that's planted deep in my heart. Come on, ask the Lord right now. Lord, let your word go so deep inside, Lord, that the only thing that comes out of my mouth is what you say, is what you say, is what you say, Lord. Let the word of God speak from my mouth in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that I wouldn't sit inactive. Lord, that I begin to do what you do. Your hands on my hands, God. I, I want your hand to direct my hand, that I could lay my hands on the sick and that they would recover. Lord, that I could lay hands on, 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 on people and situations all around me and they would recover. Lord, that I would do what heaven does. I would do, if that's you, you say, I need to do what heaven does. I, I need to stop worrying about myself. I need to stop worrying about my own situation and I need to put myself in position, Lord, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If that's you, say, that's me. That's me. I need to do what heaven does. God, I pray that as we begin to apply these principles, as we apply these principles, Lord, produce in us the vital signs. Lord, enable us to see fruitfulness, harvest. Lord, what you've planted in our hearts, we want to see lived out in front of us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're here today, all over this room, just real quick, just right at the end of this, this, this service. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the truth is you're dead in your sin. The Bible says we've all sinned. Everyone in this room is a sinner. Truth is, some of us are sinners. Others of us are sinners who've been forgiven. Sinners who are under the grace Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I, I, I am not alive in Christ because, because I've never acknowledged my sin to God and repented of it. And I've never accepted his free gift of salvation. If that's you, the best thing that you could do today is to give your life to Jesus. Because when you give your life to Jesus, his life becomes yours. He places his life in yours. Your spirit that is currently... <laughs> It hasn't been activated yet. You're meant to house the presence of God. The Bible says we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. We've all blown it. Every single one of us. 
No matter how good it looks on the outside, inside we know that we're meant for more than this. And God loves us so much that the Bible says that he sent his son into this world. And he did what none of us could do. He lived a perfect life. Lived a perfect life. And yet because of that, there was a lot of jealous religious people that tried to tear Jesus down and rid themselves of his presence. And they murdered him. They, they nailed him to a cross. But this was the plan of God all along, that Jesus would become the sacrifice that we would need in order to be forgiven of all of our mistakes, all of our sin. And Jesus willingly gave his life. And he died on the cross. He gave up his life so that you could experience real life, true life. And maybe you're here today and you say, I've never accepted that free gift. I've never given my life to Christ. Well, today is the day that you can do that. And you can, I'm telling you right now, you can walk away today full of life that you didn't even know was possible. I remember the day I gave my life to Christ. I'd grown up in church. I'd heard messages like this. And I'd heard calls like this. I'd even prayed the prayer many times. But I never experienced true life until one day I surrendered my heart to the Lord and I said, God, not my will, Lord, not, not what I want anymore. I want you. I want you. I'm giving up this life and I'm giving you control. And when I did that, I'm telling you something came inside of me that I can't explain. It's, it's hard to explain. I can't really explain. All I know is that from that day forward, everything in my life changed. And I'm telling you, the same thing can happen to you. If you're here today and you say, I want to experience that kind of life, maybe you would just lift your hand. I'd love to pray with you today. Is there anyone like that? All over this room, say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to experience that kind of life with my, in, 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 my, in my existence. If that's you, all over this room, God wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. He wants to change you. He wants to set you free. Is there anyone like that? Right over here, I see, a, yeah, I see that hand. God bless you. And that one right there. And God's going to touch you guys today. Like, like in an unreal way, God's going to touch you. You're going to leave this place and you're never going to be the same. It's, it's, got, it's a miracle. It's, it's so amazing. Anyone else, you say, I'm going to join these two honest people and say, I want to give my life to Christ. God wants to touch you. He, he wants to touch you. And not just, I'm not talking about like some like religious type of thing. I'm talking about like all the way deep inside, like a life, life change. Anyone else all over the stream, you say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is that a hand all the way in the back? God's going to touch you today, man. It's an amazing decision. Is there anyone else? You join these three honest people. And you say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just a, just a moment longer. Just a moment longer. Amen. Those of you that raised your hands, you two right there. Come join me. Come jo I want to pray with you. All the way in the back. Come join me. I, I want to pray with you. Amen. Come on. Can we give these, these honest people a big round of applause? What an amazing, amazing step they're taking today. Amazing step. Amen. tremendous decision you guys are making this is this is going to be this this day what are we at september 3rd 2023 it's the best day of your life i'm telling you right now the best day of your life you're never going to forget this moment because the bible says that old things are going to pass away all things become new so anything any shame guilt all, all of that past stuff god god wipes the slate clean and, and, and what really the, the most important thing is that he comes inside of you. 
comes inside of your heart. And, and that's what I experienced. I remember I came to an altar like this and, and my heart started just, I felt like my heart was beating out of my chest. I went, I ran to my dad that day and I know my dad will never forget it. And I said, my heart, my heart. And he's like, do we need to call the, do we need to call 911? And uh, he, I was like, no, no. And, I, and he's like, oh, that's God. God's touching you. And I know it's different for every person, but I, it was like God was saying, no, this is something that is real. And that's, what, that's what's going to take place. So what we're going to do is this, is we're going to pray together. And I invite anybody in this auditorium, God can touch you anywhere you're at. I invite anyone in this auditorium, you can pray this prayer too. But we're going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord to forgive us of our sin. And then we're going to invite his presence into our lives. And that's what makes all the difference. Because his blood sets us free, but his spirit gives us life. We're going to invite his presence into our lives. And we're going to commit to live for him. And I'm telling you what, it's going to, the rest of your life, man, it's amazing. Pray this prayer after me from your heart, but out of your mouth. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross, shedding your blood for me. I've made a lot of mistakes. I'm a sinner. But I invite your blood to cover my sin and to make me new. I make a decision that from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. And I can do that because your presence is inside of me. I invite you in. I open the door. I give you my life. Change me and make me more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you for these decisions. I thank you right now. Would you, would you stretch your hands forward? I thank you for these decisions. Lord, I thank you right now. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for salvation, the free gift, the gift we've experienced, the new life. We thank you for it. You make all things new. Shame the grace. Lord, we, we, we call upon you right now, and I pray for these three individuals. Lord, let them know. Let them feel it. Let them understand that what's taken place is a miracle, that all of heaven rejoices with the decision that they've made. Lord, give them the courage to stand up and to speak out. Lord, allow them to hear your word, God. Lord, thank you for, for this moment right now that their names are being written in the book of life. Lord, that they're alive in you at this very moment. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Come on. Give the Lord a big round of applause for what he's done. God, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's all stand to our feet. Can we sing together? Can we worship the Lord? Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, sing this out today. If the dead will live, the dead will live again. Sing it out. Yeah. The dead will live, the dead will live again. Yes. Sing it out. Wasn't that an amazing message today? Let's give God praise. Would you do that with me? Oh, there's nothing like seeing people birthed into the kingdom of God. And you know, today as we leave this service, there's something that I think we should all take heed of the message, mouth to mouth. And I know that as Luis stood before us today talking about Mission Sunday, we recognize that we see 
and we speak out the evil that's a part of sex trafficking in our world. Now we know that it's uh, uh, first it's mouth to mouth and then it's eye to eye. And we see the scourge that's a part of our land because of it. But then it's hand to hand. And that means that you and I have got to do something about it. And so it's easy today just to walk out and say, well, we've given our tithe and we're just going to move on. But Destiny Rescue is on the job today. And they're working around the world. We have partnered together with them. We ought to step back from that because we cannot. We've got to speak what he speaks. And we've got to see what God sees. God sees that each one of those lives that are in bondage right now can be set free. Do you believe that today? Let's do something about it. Amen. God bless you as you leave. Thank you for your giving.